This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon everyone and thanks for coming along to hear this talk. We all know that Jesus Christ was a historical fact and that our years are all counted in relation to his birth. We know BC stands for before Christ and AD, Anno Domini or the year of our Lord. So for our talk we want to look in some detail about what is recorded about his life and his role in the purpose of God. And we want to use the Bible, the word of God, to do this. Because as Christadelphians we believe our understanding should be based on God's word and not the teachings of man. We have quite a number of passages to turn up and our talk is split into three sections. Firstly, who Jesus was and what he has already done. And this will be the biggest section. Secondly, what Jesus will do in the future. And thirdly, what does this all mean for us? And that will be the smallest of the three sections. So let's go into our first section. Who was Jesus? If we turn please to the passage we had for our reading. Luke chapter 1. And at the end of that passage Mary. Had asked how, how this would happen. How would Jesus be born? So Luke chapter 1 and verse 35 the angel Gabriel has been sent to Mary. Verse 35. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So the Bible teaches then that Jesus was the Son of God, born by God's power, the Holy Spirit, and the Son of Mary. That he was conceived miraculously by God's power on Mary. Please can we turn back to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. And in this chapter, Joseph, who was to act as Jesus' father, is also given a message from God because he was worried that Mary had acted wickedly and the Lord God explains to Joseph what had happened. So let's have a look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. But while he, Joseph, thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. So verse 20 is very much the same idea then as Luke chapter 1. That Jesus was conceived by God's power upon Mary. And verse 21. The, the boy was to be called Jesus. And the name Jesus means God saves. So Jesus was a saviour. The role that God gave to him. And it says also in verse 21, he would save his people. And this is telling us then that Jesus was a man, even with God as his father. Please can we turn on to the Gospel of John, John chapter 3. 
one of the well, most well-known verses in the Bible. But very clear about the purpose of God and the role of Jesus. John chapter 3 and verse 16. John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So Jesus' birth then was to fulfil this plan, that people, other humans, could be saved from their sins by believing on him. And what has Jesus already done? Well, some of these passages will also repeat the same idea that Jesus was a man, that he shared the nature and experiences of those he came to save, as, as Brother Ian said in his opening prayer. Please can we turn right back to the book of Genesis, Genesis in chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, so this is after Adam and Eve have eaten of the tree in the Garden of Eden that they were told not to eat of. And God is speaking to the serpent in, in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 about what would happen as a result of, of the serpent encouraging Eve to eat of this tree. Genesis 3 verse 15, God said, I will put enmity between thee, the serpent, and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So this, as we said, is right at the start of life in earth, and there is no mention of Jesus by name in that verse, is there? But God in verse 15 tells the serpent that a man would defeat the power of his seed by a blow to the head and if we smack a snake on the head hard enough that will kill the snake and this verse will link to Hebrews chapter 2 which we'll go to later on please can we turn on to the Acts of the Apostles Acts in chapter 2 so Acts of the apostles is the early teaching of the disciples after Jesus has been taken away into heaven after his resurrection and Acts chapter 2 is early on so it's the early preaching of the apostles especially Peter on the day of Pentecost and let's see what he has to say in Acts chapter 2 verse 29 so he's speaking to a massive crowd of Jews in Jerusalem Acts 2 verse 29 Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, he, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. So he describes the man David in verse 29. David lived about a thousand years before Christ. But David understood that one of his descendants would come and would fulfill that, the role that is spoken of there in verse 30. And this is telling us then that Jesus did not exist before David, but David understood from promises that God made to him and from the promise that we've seen already in Genesis chapter 3, that Jesus would come along and fulfil a great role. Please can we turn 
towards the end of our Bibles, the book of Revelation and chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. Now much of Revelation is symbolic, but here we have a, a slightly more clear verse which we're going to have a look at. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. So it's talking about a power working against the early church. And verse 8, All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, this false power, whose names are not written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So Jesus is the one in this verse described as the Lamb. And we know that he was slain or killed about 2,000 years ago, not at the foundation of the world. What the verse is telling us is that God planned that, he, that Jesus would fulfill this role. He would destroy the power of the serpent's seed, but suffer the blow himself. He would be the one who would have the blow to the heel. That would harm him when he, when he won the great victory. The Bible teaches us then that Jesus did not exist before his birth or conception, except in the purpose of God. Please can we turn back to the Gospel of John, John chapter 10. <clears throat> we saw in our, our first verse that we looked at that Jesus is the son of God and John chapter 10 is where Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd and he describes his being lower or less than God so let's have a look at John chapter 10 verse 29 he's talking about his sheep Verse 29, my father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. So Jesus took time to show that he is subject or less than God. He is not the same person as God. And please can we turn back to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew and chapter 26. So this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just before he's about to be arrested and taken away by the men coming with Judas to catch him in the same garden. And a prayer he makes to God before these events happen. So Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. Matthew 26 verse 39. And he, Jesus, went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, O my father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And we'll see later how important it was that Jesus did obey his father's will. But it was a battle for him. He didn't do it automatically. His will, as we see in those words in the verse, was to avoid the painful death that awaited him. And this was different to God's will, that he should suffer and be able to save himself and others. The victory Jesus achieved then was through his self-control, not because he automatically did the right thing. Being the Son of God did not make things easy for Jesus. And please can we turn on to the book of Hebrews. Our next few references are all from Hebrews, and we want to start in Hebrews chapter 5. This idea that it was a battle for Jesus to overcome, it wasn't a straightforward thing for him to, 
to triumph over sin. Hebrews 5 verse 7 who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears that very same instant in, in Matthew 26 unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared though he were a son yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him so in verse 8 Jesus learned obedience again it wasn't automatic for him and verse 7 we see this we see his strength of faith and his trust in God this is the thing that helped him to go through the difficulties that he had to face those those dreadful thoughts in in Matthew 26 when he had the the dread of what was going to happen waiting for him and verse 9 is a point for us to remember for section 3 that those who follow him and those who obey him in their lives can be saved and it talks about eternal salvation which is talking about living forever a complete and a perfect salvation please can we turn back then to Hebrews chapter 2 to see how Jesus was made like us so that his victory could also count for us Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 Hebrews 2 verse 14 For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage So this is very clear that Jesus is able to save us because he was like us he had flesh and blood like us that set of words together in the middle of verse 14 where it said he also himself likewise took part of the same he had the very same nature and temptations and, and difficulties that we have but we see at the end of that verse um, that through dying he beat the devil and this is a very different idea to the usual contest we see isn't it where the man left standing at the end is usually the victory like in a boxing match here Jesus wins the victory through his death so let's please turn on to Hebrews chapter 9 where we have the same victory described in a slightly different way a more understandable way for us Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 26 Hebrews 9 verse 26 For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world but now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself So this shows to us that the devil in Hebrews 2 verse 14 is sin Jesus overcame sin by his death so that the sinful human nature that we all have is the thing described in the Bible as the devil and these two passages explain Genesis 3 verse 15 from earlier on that because Jesus never sinned when he died he'd won a victory over sin and over our nature and it was a complete victory please can we turn on 
I'll turn back to Hebrews chapter 4. Again, to, to repeat this point for us, that Jesus was like us so that he was able to save us. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, and find grace to help in time of need. So verse 15 says that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are. His temptations were real and meaningful and not something he could just easily dismiss. It was a battle that he had to win and that he did win. Please can we turn back to the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans and chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 2 and 3. Romans chapter 8 verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So Paul summarises what we were trying to show from those verses in Hebrews. That our being able to be saved from sins is all because Jesus had the same nature that we have and he overcame it all through his life and submitted to death to complete that victory. Please can we turn on to Paul's letter to the Philippians, Philippians and chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. <clears throat> Philippians 2, verse 6. Talking about Jesus from verse 5. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. So we see that Paul says, Jesus has been exalted by God, because he was obedient and overcame temptations. He wasn't exalted again because he was himself God. It was as a reward for his, his great victory. And please can we turn back to John chapter 10 again. the passage again about Jesus as the good shepherd and we want to look at John chapter 10 and verse 11 to start with John 10 verse 11 Jesus said I am the good shepherd the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep verse 15 as the father knows me even so know I the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17. 
Therefore does my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man takes it from me but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. From our verse in Hebrews 5 that we looked at earlier we know that Jesus knew that God would raise him from the dead. His death was the end of his life and his consciousness. But Jesus' death and perfect life have meant that he is able to save himself and his followers that are described as the sheep in, in this chapter. So we, we need to remember that for section 3 later on. But we'll move on to section 2. What does the Bible say that Jesus will do in the future? Please can we go to the Acts again, Acts chapter 1. The thing that was told to the disciples as they saw Jesus go up from them into heaven. That described what he will do when he returns and how he will return. So Acts chapter 1 and verse 10. And while they, the disciples, looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So the disciples were told then that Jesus will return from heaven to the earth and he will be seen when he does just as they saw him go up into the sky. When Jesus returns he won't ret return mysteriously. Can we please turn on to Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians and chapter 4. What does Paul teach us in this chapter that Jesus will do in the future? So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So again we're told that Jesus will return from heaven, and here he will gather the living believers together to meet him in verse 17. And also raise dead believers to meet him at his return. The dead in Christ are those who have been baptised into his name. Which again we should remember for section 3. And also many in the Old Testament who were not baptised but had the faith in, in the promises that God made to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So what will Jesus do after he returns to the earth? Well, can we turn first please to Isaiah and chapter 11. We could look at many different passages, especially in the Old Testament, about what Jesus will do when he returns to the earth. So we're just being very selective. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. Isaiah 11 and verse 1. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse... So a descendant of David who was Jesse's son and a branch shall grow out of his roots 
and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. So Jesus then will judge the world, but this will be true judgment and justice, unlike anything that we see around us in the world today. And we can see in verse 4 that he will properly be able to punish the wicked and the violent. He will have God's power at his disposal and he will use it against those that behave wickedly. Please can we turn back to the Psalms, Psalm number 72. So we're seeing the powerful side of Jesus as the judge in, in Isaiah chapter 11. And we want to see the merciful or the kind side of Jesus as judge in Psalm 72. So Psalm 72 and verse 4. It says, He shall judge the poor of the people, he shall save the children of the needy, and shall break in pieces the oppressor. So a different picture of Jesus as judge. He'll be able to protect the poor classes of society so that they are fairly heard and protected from those who oppress or abuse them. So again, a very different, different picture to the world we see around us today. And let's sum up Jesus' future role. If we can please turn back to the second book of Samuel. 2 Samuel and chapter 7. Promises that God made to David. And that start with the phrase in verse 12 of 2 Samuel 7. When your days be fulfilled and you sleep with your father. So after David had died these things are going to happen. And let's read verse 16 of 2 Samuel chapter 7. So it's the, word, the promises of God to David verse 16. And thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. So Jesus then is the promised heir of David. He will rule as king forever from David's throne in Jerusalem. And David will be there to see it. David will be raised from the dead to see these things happen. So please can we go back to our chapter in Luke chapter 1. Again to see what it teaches us there about the role of Jesus in the future. So the message of God through the angel Gabriel to Mary. Luke chapter 1 and verse 32 this time. Luke 1 verse 32. So it, it, it talks about Jesus being born in verse 31. Verse 32. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So this confirms then that Jesus is the heir promised to David in 2 Samuel 7. And again his kingdom will last forever. Can we please turn to the book of Daniel. Daniel in chapter 2. And 
So in this chapter, Daniel has explained the dream of Nebuchadnezzar to him. And Nebuchadnezzar had seen a great image made of iron and, and metals being destroyed by a stone falling on it. And the stone had come to completely take over any space that the image had been in and to fill the whole world. So let's have a look at the very last part of the interpretation that Daniel was given by the Lord God to show to Nebuchadnezzar. So Daniel chapter 2 verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. The kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So again we're told the kingdom will last forever. But here we see it will be a dominant kingdom that will, which will cover the whole world. And no human power will be able to resist or stand up to Jesus as king over God's kingdom. So let's move on to our section 3 then. What does all this mean to us? Is it possible for us to have a part in these exciting events to come on the earth? Well please can we turn right back to Genesis again. Genesis in chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, God had asked Abraham to make a sacrifice of his son Isaac, the one that all the promises were to come true through. And Abraham had been ready to kill Isaac, he'd had the knife in his hand and God had sent the angel to stop him from killing his son. And God was very pleased that Abraham had been willing to obey and he made Abraham these promises so Genesis chapter 22 verse 15 and the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said by myself have I sworn says the Lord for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son thine only son that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So God made these promises to Abraham. And the one in verse 17, that one of his descendants would win a great victory by possessing the gate of his enemies. And in the old days, when you were attacking the city, the people inside the city would defend themselves by all means available to them throwing lots of very nasty things at you and you only gained control of the city once you had the gate under your control you could then let people in and out as you chose and the city was in your hands so this seed of Abraham then was going to win a great victory but here we can see in verse 18 that all nations of the earth can be blessed by his victory so hope is offered to all even us who had nothing to do with Abraham's family so please can we turn on to the New Testament and the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians in chapter 3. And this is going to show us how we can have a part in these things, how we can share in the blessing that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 22, how we can share in the victory of his seed who took the city, who, who won dominion over sin and over death so Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 
Galatians 3 verse 27, Paul says, For as many of you as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. So Paul helps to explain Genesis 22 to us. The offer is open to all, but we have to choose to do something about it in our lives. If we have been baptised, this makes us heirs to the promises that God made to Abraham and David. I'm sure that there are plenty of other talks from this platform about baptism and its importance. Please can we turn back to Acts chapter 13. How, how should we behave in, in view of the wonderful hope that God offers to us through the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, Acts 13 is, is the teaching of Paul and Barnabas. And they'd gone to Antioch and they were preaching there to the Jews in the synagogue. And they'd been asked to appear again the next week. And this time the Jews had not been happy with them. They would not wanted to, to Paul and Barnabas to speak to them or the Gentiles. So let's have a look at the reaction of Paul in verse 46. Acts 13 and verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so as the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So this shows to us the importance of the word of God and our attitude to it. The Jews... The people, the, people, the people that Paul was speaking to wouldn't take any notice. And so he turned to the Gentiles. But here the, we're told the word of God leads to everlasting life. So we have to take heed to it. We have to believe it. And belief has to come before baptism. This is a very important thing for us to think about and to take action on. Please can we just turn on a few pages to Acts chapter 17. So Paul had moved on to Athens now and he was speaking about the actual God that the Jews worshipped and that, that we worship but also about how action needs to be taken because God will take action in the world around us. So let's have a look at Acts chapter 17 and verse 31. Acts 17 verse 31 because he the Lord God has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained whereof he has given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. So we've seen already that Jesus will return to the earth to judge it and to set up God's kingdom. We don't know the day when that will happen. But we need to make sure that we take the opportunity to, opportunity to look into this so that we do not miss our opportunity to share in these wonderful times to come.
I encourage you all to look into these things for yourselves and hope you will take up this wonderful opportunity. Thanks very much for your attention. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk. Thank you.